3: Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
2: The overall message to me that I value so much is just try stuff. Yeah, just (laughs) experiment. Your life is very plastic. You can try it for a short period of time. You can try it for a long period of time. There's stuff you can do as part of your
4: ordinary day. You do not need to quit your job.
1: Hey guys, thanks for listening. This is U-Turns, the podcast about change, uh, where we talk about all kinds of changes, transformations, shifts in a quest to make ourselves, if nothing, better and happier. I'm Lisa Oz. And I'm Jill Herzig. And we've got someone who is probably the most qualified person to tell us how to be
2: happier. We are so excited (laughs) to have Gretchen Rubin with us. Hi, Gretchen. Hello, I'm so happy to be talking to you today. I'm so glad you're here. Um, Gretchen, as probably everyone knows, is the best-selling author of eight books, including giant bestsellers like Better Than Before, The Happiness Project, the most recent one I think is The Four Tendencies. Um, She also has one of the most popular podcasts out there, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, which she does with her sister, you guys are incredibly close, Elizabeth Kraft. And I think my favorite part of that podcast is that not It makes clear that not only do you experiment on yourself in pursuit of happiness, (laughs) but you experiment rigorously on your sister. Yes, I do. Yes, Elizabeth calls me a happiness
4: bully. Um, Yes, Uh,
2: a loving one, a very loving one.
4: I very loving, but I she sometimes is kind of the the innocent bystander of all my experiments, and uh,
2: you know, it seems like she puts puts herself squarely in the way of them, though, which means that some of them have to have worked out well for her.
4: Yes. No. She definitely does. No. She definitely does. Um, and and it has worked out. It has worked out well. But it. I can sometimes sort of exhaust her with my enthusiasm. <laughs> That's for sure.
2: Do you ever have a bad day where
1: you're just being cranky and obnoxious and have her call you out on it and say, Gretchen, you're not allowed to be unhappy. Oh.
4: Oh no no. No, you know, it's funny <laughs> one of the things about being happier is that I is to acknowledge when people aren't feeling happy and to like you know not fight against it. That's one thing especially with my children I learned is like really don't say, don't say to them things like, "Well, you're not scared or this is always fun or you love to go, you know, here or there." Um and and uh, and and the people in, I'm lucky the people in my life are not they don't expect me to be um to be happier all the time, for sure.
2: <laughs> so, mm-hmm. part of being a happiness bully is yeah. also knowing when to say, yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah.
4: It is. It is. It is. Um and just to to let people have their negative their negative emotions and not try to talk them out of it. I mean, the funny thing is, and I I read about this person in this wonderful parenting book. It's like my fav- one of my favorite really books about all like human relations because it's so applicable to adults as well, but it's a book called Um, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. It's like 30 years old. It's a great book. I've read it like 10 times. Mm. But one of the things they said is acknowledge the reality of other people's feelings. Don't try to tell people they don't feel the way they're telling you that. And that sounds so sensible. You're like, I would never tell somebody they don't feel the way they feel. And then you think about it. And when I thought about the kind of things I said, I was constantly telling people, oh, it's fine that the cable guy was two hours late. Like, what's the big deal? It's like somebody's telling me they're really annoyed. Just let them be annoyed. Say, wow you're really annoyed about that. It's very simple. But, um, and then you get out of this kind of arguing with people about the reality of their feelings, which, and, and get, and they feel much more understood. And then the funny thing is that then they stop complaining or you, you don't need to keep saying how negative you feel because you don't, you, cause you know that other people understand the reality of your feelings. It's,
5: it's, so it's So is that,
2: is that part of rumination, which seems like the big enemy we all struggle mm. with, but some of us more than others <laughs> is that It's in part, do we ruminate in part because we don't feel like it's being heard or there's an outlet for it?
4: You know, that's so interesting. I never thought about the connection, but I bet that's exactly right. Um, Because one of the things like they say with rumination is to just write it down. And that if you Mm. write it down, a lot of times that will help relieve your mind or you feel like it's memorialized in some way. So you don't have to keep going in that circle. Um, but I bet if somebody would say to you, like, oh, I see that you're feeling this way and kind of help you through it, that might help end that cycle of just like that's that's circling those circling thoughts. Yeah that can be so draining. Yeah. Those
2: those are absolutely the worst. And yeah. you know, sometimes I, I feel imprisoned in a room with this just nasty biatch. And you know, <laughs> she's just she's just got these thoughts and she's got me running around in circles. And yeah. you know, you just want somebody to let you out of that room. Let you let yeah. you let you free. Um, all right. So everyone is free to have a bad day. That sounds. That sounds good. <laughs> that sounds good to me. So um, we, as we, as we do every time, we're talking about change, and um, I kind of wanted you to to run through a little bit the four tendencies which you've mm. brought up in a couple of different books, and you've developed through tons and tons of research, and and there are these four tendencies. And I want to sort of think about change specifically, yeah. like how how people who who belong to those different tendencies, how they handle change.
4: Yeah, um, and I think that's a great question because I think it's I think knowing your tendency or someone else's tendency really can point the way to making positive change if you want to make change, or understanding why change is not happening if you want it to happen. Um, so there are, as you say, there are four tendencies, four pro- personality profiles. Upholder, questioner, obliger, and rebel, um, and it has to do with how you respond to expectations. And so we all face two kinds of expectations: outer expectations, which is like um, I have a work deadline, I have a request from a friend, or inner expectations, like I really want to write a novel in my free time, I really want to keep my New Year's resolution. And and so the four tendencies look at how you respond to outer and inner. And I will say that most people. Can, can know what they are and the people in their life from the brief description that I'm about to launch into. But if you don't, if you want to take a quiz and like get the answer given yeah, the to you. Yeah, the quiz there, is helpful. Yeah, there's a quiz on my site, gretchenrubin.com, or you can go to happiercast.com slash quiz It's a short, free quiz, and it will tell you um, what your tendency is and give you a little report on your tendency if you want it. Um, But like I say, most people know what they are pretty quickly. So upholders readily meet outer and inner expectations. So they meet meet the work deadline. They keep the New Year's resolution without much fuss. They want to know what other people expect from them, but their expectations for themselves are just as important. Then there are questioners. Questioners question all expectations. So they do something if, if it makes sense to them. So they're making everything an inner expectation. If it meets their standard, they'll do it no problem. If it fails their standard, they're going to resist. And they will very often object to things that they consider arbitrary or inefficient or irrational. They're always looking for reasons, justifications. Then there are obligers. Obligers readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. So this is the person who's like, why is it that I can meet my commitments to everybody else, but I can never keep my commitments to myself? Mm. That's an obliger. And then finally, rebels. Rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. They want to do what they want to do in their own way, in their own time. They can do anything they want to do. They can do anything they choose to do. But if you ask or tell them to do something, they're very likely to resist. Um, And so those are the four tendencies.
2: Otherwise known as the (laughs) self-employed. Yeah, 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 yeah. often, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you said they can do anything they... They have inner motivation, but that's also the questioner. The rebel has problem with inner motivation too, Well,
4: see, it's interesting. Like you put your finger on something that's like, that's very, very, it's kind of subtle. So meeting your inner expectation is like, I'm going to, I want to get strong. I'm going to take a strength, once a week, I'm going to go to strength training for an hour. Every Friday at 10 a.m., I'm going to meet with my trainer and I'm going to work out and I'm going to get strong. That's what a questioner could do with inner expectation or an upholder because that's an inner expectation. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go – or like I don't even need to do a tr- meet with a trainer. I'm just going to go to the gym once a week at 10 a.m., and I'm going to do this. But a rebel wants to choose to do it in the moment. Like they put a much higher value on spontaneity. They, don't, they can't really lock into an inner expectation in the same way. For them, it's much more like, well, what do you feel like doing right now? So they need to set up expectations in a different way because they can't really, like, I remember, because I'm an upholder, and upholders and rebels are like the opposite of each other. (laughs) And a rebel said to me, I only want to do the things that I want to do. And I can do anything I want to do. And I was like, see, to me, I can do things I don't want to do. And there's power in that. But the rebel was like, who wants to be able to do, why do you want to make do stuff you don't want to do? And I'm like, (laughs) don't you want to do stuff you don't want to do? It's like, it's, it's this subtle thing because the, inner, the, the, the ability to follow through on an inner expectation looks very different in a rebel than it does in a questioner.
1: Do upholders get more done?
4: Uh, if they want to, yes. They're they are the ones that will probably typically be the most uh, focused on execution.
2: Mm. Yeah. Jill. (laughs) Well, it's so funny because I thought I was an obliger. I was pretty positive I was an obliger. And then this one over here tells me, no, No. I'm an upholder. You're an upholder. And, and, And I was sort of coming to that thought, but... So, so this is
4: the thing. Upholders and obligers can look very much alike because they both readily meet outer expectations. And what many obligers have done is they've, they've sort of figured this out about themselves. And so they very cleverly create outer accountability for every inner expectation they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if you want to read more, you've joined a book group. If you want to exercise more, you've joined a class where you have to show up. And so so upholders and obligers can look very much alike. So here's the question I would ask to you mm-hmm. to get at whether you're an upholder and obliger. Okay. If there's something that you want to do for yourself. And nobody else cares. And in fact, maybe it's kind of inconvenient for them. Like you want to go for a run every Saturday and Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Or you want to take three hours to yourself every Sunday afternoon and work on your novel or at work, you've decided, you know what, I need a break every day and I'm just going to take lunch away from my desk. And maybe you'd like to have a staff meeting at noon. Cause that works for everybody. But you know, that doesn't really work for me because I have this commitment to myself that I'm going to, I'm going to take a, an hour break from noon mm-hmm. to one every day. So I can't, I can't accommodate what you want me to do. Could you do that? Or would you be like, Oh no, that would be really hard for me to to do that.
2: So, I don't have a lot of those things, Mm -hmm. those things that feel like I simply must Mm -hmm. uphold them. Mm
0: -hmm. But the
2: few that I have, I do uphold. Yeah, like mm-hmm. Lisa, like pointing and laughing. Well, going mm. hiking. Okay, She's
4: so just confident. She feels like well, she knows. I, I, there, there's just a lot of <laughs> instances. Like I'm going to
1: leave my husband and children and go hiking across California
2: yeah, for that. two weeks. I did that. I felt very strongly that I needed to do it, and. Um, I you know, I made sure that my husband was okay with it, but then yes, I did do it. I I I did this crazy backpacking trip and just just because I really strongly felt like doing it. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that I was between jobs, so I kinda could, and there wasn't there weren't a whole lot of people expecting from me, but but there were some. All right, so we have established, I think, that I am an upholder. When we come mm-hmm. back from this break, we're gonna talk about how all four of the tendencies deal with change. Oh okay. good.
1: Talking about the four tendencies with Gretchen Rubin, and we've established, I think, that Jill is probably an upholder. Um, and you said you're an upholder too. I am. Right. Yeah,
4: and it, we're a rare tendency, so that's it's good. Well, I, I like meeting another upholder. There are not <laughs> many. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a little club of upholders. Yes. So every group needs to understand themselves and how to motivate themselves because we all need. To make changes in our life, we all need to take action and to deal with change when change and comes to deal for with you. Change. Yeah. And not all of us are so easily motivated as you two upholders, both internally and externally. For the rest of us, um, how, how, can you break down how each group mm-hmm. can can actually get themselves to act?
4: Right. Um so let's let's take an example just to be concrete like let's say that somebody wants to make the change of starting to exercise which is something that many many people would like to do um and it's a pretty significant change that you would make in your life so let's say you're a questioner now questioners always want justifications and they when they and they want reasons and once they're convinced that something makes sense for them their actions will follow pretty easily so when i talk to somebody who is a questioner who's saying you know, the thing is like I keep I, I know I would be happier and healthier if I exercise and I really want to, but I'm not making progress. I'm not able to do it. What I always say to them is, have you gone deep into your question self and and figured out for yourself that you're truly convinced that this is the most efficient way, the best way for you to achieve this aim. And so, you know, because like you're trying to exercise, you're like, well, should I do strength training? Should I do height? Should I do intensity interval training? Should I do cardio? Maybe I should run. Maybe it'd be better to go for a walk. You know, it's like when questioners are in that place of indecision, that's when they become paralyzed. And they sometimes will suffer from analysis paralysis, which is when they want mm-hmm. more and more and more information. So it's a questioner's like, well, I keep reading book after book and article after article about what is the best way to exercise. And so you have to say to a questioner, okay, you, it's better to start exercising now than to wait forever. Take your best guess, try it, see if it works for you. If it doesn't work, then you've learned something about yourself. Uh, questioners often like kind of experimenting on themselves, kind of self-hacking. They like collecting data. See how it works but really go deep into that place of, like, what is your reason? Why are you committing to this? Like, why are you choosing this instructor? Why are you in choose, choosing this method? They love things to be efficient. So, one, But once they make that decision, once they, they've decided that something's justified for them, then their actions can follow. So so when a, when a questioner's having trouble with a change like that, I say – try to find the reasons for what you're wanting to do. Once you have that clarity, it will follow. Obligers, absolutely simple. And if obligers having trouble meeting an inner expectation, like I need to go, I need to exercise more, what they need is outer accountability. Do not say things like, I need to make myself a priority. I need to learn to take time for myself. I need to establish boundaries. I need more (laughs) self-care. Nothing will happen. No, 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 no. You know, oh, I give 110% to my patients. There's nothing left for me. This is obliged to talk. I get it. I understand it. And the solution, the really quick, easy, direct way is to create outer accountability. So if you mm. want to exercise, work out with a friend who's going to be annoyed if you don't show up, mm. take a class where they take attendance, um, work out with a trainer who's expecting you, think of your re- duty to be a role model for other people, think about your future self. Now Gretchen doesn't want to exercise, but future Gretchen's going to be really disappointed and annoyed <laughs> if, you, if now Gretchen doesn't do it
2: to like hook you know, yourself to outside
4: yourself. expectation. Tell your, yeah, tell your kid, like, if I don't, you know, I need to exercise the way you need to do your homework. Hey, and if I don't do my exercise, you don't have to do your homework and your kid <laughs> will watch you like a hawk. You know, I mean, there's a million ways to create outer accountability once you realize that's what you need. But a lot of times obligers... Don't know that that's what they need. Sometimes they kind of intuit it or they just sort of accidentally get it because the world often will supply us with outer accountability, but they don't know that, that that's what they need to plug in. So that's okay. for obliger. Obliger's having trouble. I'm always like, go right to outer accountability. Right. Um and then for a rebel, it's interesting with rebels, there's sort of two yeah, ways. Rebels that, have to
2: be the toughest ones, right? Well, in a way,
4: but the thing about rebels is they can do anything they want oh. to do.
2: Oh, right. So maybe changes. Uh. Yeah.
4: So what a, for, for rebels, the, a core, the core, core value is freedom and self-expression. They want to choose. They want to be true to themselves. They want to be authentic. And so when a rebel is making a choice, it's always to say, this is what you want. This is the kind of person you are. And so I would say to myself, if I were a rebel, I'm an athlete. I'm a strong, vigorous person who respects her body. They keep me trapped behind my screen, underneath the fluorescent lights, but they can't because I'm free. I'm an athlete. I exercise. And so that's who I am. Or it's something like they say that I have to work all these days, but I'm going to just skip work and go to a gym. A lot of times rebels like to have things be different. They like to change things up. And so many rebels will join like a huge gym that has lots of different offerings. And so one day I want to do yoga because I'm feeling a little stiff. And one day I feel like doing cardio because I'm, you know, full of energy. One day I'm going to try Pilates because I've never done Pilates before. They can choose um, how they want to do it. That can work for a rebel. But here's the thing that's important for a rebel to remember is what is freedom? Because, Freedom can often be characterized in different ways. And if my sweetheart is telling me to exercise and my doctor is telling me to exercise and my family is telling me to exercise, maybe it feels like freedom not to exercise because you can't Mm. tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me.
2: So that whole posse of people around you, you have to tell them to pipe down.
4: Yes. A lot of times with a rebel, the worst thing you can do is anything. You know, don't, <laughs> behind, don't help, just let them, because, they, because the more you inter, try to intervene, even in a helpful way, the more you ignite the spirit of resistance. But a rebel can also say to themselves, what is freedom for me? Like I, I got an email from a, a woman who was clearly like very, very overweight. And she said, I realized I, I, had, I had not wanted to change my eating because I wanted to feel free to eat what I wanted. But then I realized I also want to feel free to travel and I'll feel more comfortable in an airplane if I lose weight.
2: Huh. What will this um, free I, me up to do?
4: Yeah, and so for a rebel, it's like don't get trapped in somebody else's definition of freedom or just resisting as freedom. What's freedom for you? Freedom to have you want. And a lot of times, a rebel can be like, "Well, you're telling me not to smoke. Well, you can't. You you know, watch me smoke." But it's also like, "Do you want to be chained to cigarettes? You want the big tobacco companies to be ordering you around and taking (laughs) money? No, you want to be free because that. And so you're going to quit smoking in order to be free. So so rebels." It's an incredibly powerful tendency, but once, but you have to lock into the rebel perspective because they have a very particular way of seeing the world.
2: All right, now I am ready for you to speak directly to me, upholder. yeah. (laughs) All right. So what? What you're an upholder too? Yes, I'm an upholder too. And we tend,
4: we tend to have the easiest time of this. I would say of the four tendencies. Not that it's effortless, but for for upholders, like putting something on the calendar. Um, making mm-hmm. a to-do list, these things tend to work. Like if you said to yourself, you know what, it's really important to me. I feel like I really need to get back into meditation. At 6.20 a.m. every morning for 15 minutes, I'm going to meditate starting Monday. Mm-hmm. Probably wouldn't be hugely challenging for you to do. No, um, the challenging
2: part, honestly, and it's interesting that you chose the example of meditation because I've definitely been struggling with myself to see if I can get myself to do it. I am still having a hard time believing that it is crucial for me oh, I don't, you to know, do You know,
4: I'm a, I'm I'm a meditation failure. Okay. I'm trying to do it. Does nothing for me. So, okay. but I mean, that's legitimate, right? You can say like, this doesn't. I'm not going to do it because it's not making me. It's not. It's not making me happier, healthier, more productive, more creative. Like it's not adding to my life. Yeah, I, I don't really believe that there's any universal tool. You know. Um Yeah. yeah. So maybe you're resisting it because part of you is like, eh. Yeah, right? but it's like not a priority.
1: If you thought yeah. it worked, if either of you thought it worked, you would do it, right? You run yeah. ten miles without without blinking an eye. <laughs> not ten, but,
2: but yes, I, if right? I if, if I was utterly convinced of its utility for me personally, it, it would be I am done utterly already. convinced of its utility for lots and lots and lots of people over millennia. But yeah. just I just can't I can't get there. I can't finish. <laughs> I can't close the deal on meditation for myself.
4: Well, I mean, it sounds – if you've really honestly tried it and it's not working for you, like, then it's like – then you're not doing it because you just don't think it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um okay. Because, like, why would you waste your time? You know what I mean? Like, that's how I felt. And, in fact, it's funny because I – um I didn't have trouble having the habit of, of meditating. And so when I decided that it wasn't helping, it's like I, it was hard for me to break the habit
6: of
2: meditating.
4: Like, <laughs> I really like that, that part I could do. But I'm like the meditation part like did nothing for me.
2: Okay. So- I hear it. So what is your personality
1: type? <laughs> well, it's funny because I spoke with Gretchen last week and I was pretty sure, well, Mehmet was pretty sure that I was a... Um, an obliger, but he also thought that he was an upholder, and we were pretty came to the conclusion that he's not an upholder. Um, he quest. he's a questioner, tips and still upholder. Um, so I thought that at that time that I was an obliger because I do take care of other people, but I think all moms have obliger to a certain extent. You you're never not going to. Feed your crying baby, and you have four kids. And I so have four kids, so there's yes. something. But when you were talking, Gretchen, and you were describing like the ways that the inner voice of all of those people talking to get themselves to do something, it was all rebel. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> that is what <laughs> I was going to say. That is my inner dialogue. You were, what you were saying was my voice. It was like my voice in your head. Mm. So I think that's more me. Mm. I, I resist everything um and Interesting. It, sometimes even when i do it inside my voice is you can't you're not the boss of me <laughs> you can't tell me what to do and i'll even i'll do it was like Ugh, i might as well just do it because it's not worth fighting over but my inner rebel is like kicking them in my head okay. so it has to be a well, sheer let- act of will
2: yeah. Yeah. to overcome that voice yeah, yeah.
4: So two things I would say that is so fascinating. One is there is some there is obliger rebellion, which is when um, an obliger will meet, 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 meet expectations and then suddenly they snap and they'll refuse to do something. Oh so
1: no, it's it be, all the time. Yeah.
4: It's <laughs> all the time. Well, some people really are in kind of like permanent obliger rebellion, but they but they really suffer from like a feeling of deep resentment and burnout all the time. So if you don't experience that you're probably I have not no resentment you. and
1: no burnout. Okay. It's, just, so, it's just it's it's more attitudinal.
4: No, but so – but another point that you're making that is really important is that, like, your values matter tremendously in all the tendencies. And we could take 40 questioners or rebels or whatever and line them up, and depending on how ambitious they are, how considerate they are, how extroverted or introverted they are, how curious they are, how – I mean, all these things would be different. Um, But if you asked them – like, if you asked about 40 questioners – to do something they would all say why should i because that is what it is to be <laughs> so you could be a rebel who puts a very very high value on being a lovely loving reliable consistent parent and so you're choosing to do that Bingo. and so as a Bingo. rebel <laughs> you're choosing to do that and and so it's 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 a value that you want to uphold that is is your authentic self that you're putting into the world um, but still there's that part of you that's saying, this is my choice. I'm doing this because I want to, this is the mother that I choose to be. But in the, but if somebody else comes in and says like, do X, Y, Z, like, oh, you can't use your cell phone. You're like, oh, you know what? Watch me because there's still <laughs> that core rubble thing of like, you can't tell me what to do, which is what rubble is. So you, so that may be what you are. But, that's I don't know,
1: but you said you can be more than one, right? Cause I have well, a, you can. You can tip
4: to one or the other of one of the overlapping tendencies. Cuz
1: sometimes I'm really rebellious and other times I'm really obliger. So we had this conversation about the red light. Mm. It's not that I haven't run red lights and it's not that I don't speed. It's that that um I have a, the higher value is human life and I feel like the only way society functions, traffic functions is if people obey traffic laws. And if everyone drove like my husband and drove through the red lights,
2: we would have chaos on the streets. We are not talking about driving through red lights in broad daylight with lots of traffic. You're talking about like when nobody's there. No, it's like, yeah. Yes, there's a stop sign. Do you stop at it or do you? Correct. Right. Or do you just go?
1: so there, that was the example you used to determine. So I, I do uphold rules, but because they make sense to me because there's a higher value. It's not like I'm just going around breaking rules because I don't feel like obeying them. Okay,
4: let me, let me give you this, this, this example. I'm just making this up. Let's see if we can get at it. So let's say you got a note. One of your children uh, got a note sent home and it said, all children will wear button-down shirts on Friday.
1: I would forget. On Friday
4: it's coming up. <laughs> what would your reaction be? To the note,
1: um, is there an explanation as to why? Like, no. is it is there a concert or something that they need to go no. to?
4: No, it's just like we've decided that it's going to be school policy that children are going to wear button down shirts. Now, sure, you're going to be curious, whatever, but yeah, like, would you go out and buy the shirt? Would you be like, "No way, I'm gonna like th- this is ridiculous. I'm not going to do it." Would you be like, "I'm going to call the school and find out what the reason is. This seems arbitrary to me." Um, what, like, what would your response? Be? I would
1: do some questioning first. I would ask my kids, like, what's going on? Why do you don't, oh, you know what I'd do? also I'd say, you know, you, if you don't, if you know why you're having this shirt, shirt, you have to remember to wear the shirt because I'm going to forget. Um, mm-hmm. But I wouldn't, like, deliberately not have my kid wear the shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. No, I'm not, I'm not, it's not rebellion for the sake of rebellion. It's, maybe I am an obliger, but just with a little snarky side. with a soup song do you worry do you
4: say things like i need to take more i have to have more self-care
1: never you don't not once in my entire life
4: Do you feel like you're good at taking time for yourself i
1: i feel like it's not i mean it's i get enough of you know it's it's all good it's my life is a is Good. I don't need you to. You are like, not
2: good at taking com- time for yourself. Yes, I
1: mean, my, oh, my whole life is self care. My whole life is. I get to do this freaking podcast. How awesome is that? It's not like it's not like you know. I I need to go to a spa to unwind because every day is good.
4: But, mm, well, take the quiz. I I I don't want to like <laughs> go. We would have to do like a long conversation. Yeah. Or not not worth it friends, on the but, podcast. All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. All right. This is also great. After the break, we're going to talk about something really fascinating: tomorrow logic.
3: Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like. <sighs>
1: Before the break, we tried to unwind my complex and not that interesting personality. Get back to us on your (laughs) tendency once you've taken the No one cares. Um,
2: (laughs) I do. You are a mystery. I will let you know. Okay.
1: But um, you brought up Tomorrowland? Tomorrow
2: logic. Tomorrow logic. I'm I'm thinking Tomorrowland. It it seemed to me when I was was reading Better Than Before, um, it seemed to me that it's partly about figuring out your tendency, but then there's some there's some sort of broad general guidance that you yeah. give um, that that draws on your research. And tomorrow logic was one of the things that I was interested. in. it's really about timing change um, and. And not timing it. What is tomorrow logic? Well,
4: this is from my book, Better Than Before, which is all about, as you say, the 21 strategies of habit change. And um, understanding your tendencies is one of the strategies. But then there are are 20 other strategies. And like you say, some of them are very tied to your tendency. Like the strategy of accountability is one that's super important for obligers, might not be productive at all for rebels. Um, And then some of them kind of apply to you no matter what. They kind of are separate from the whole four tendencies thing. And so like the strategy of convenience. It's true for everyone. Like if things are more convenient, you're more likely to do them. We all know this and you can really harness that. So tomorrow logic is the idea that, you know, everything's gonna be easier tomorrow. Yeah, today for sure I don't have time to do this today, but tomorrow it's gonna be easier. Or, you know, or it's not necessarily tomorrow. It could be like, oh, well, you know, once the summer starts, every this is my thing that I do every year. Once the summer starts, everything's gonna calm down. I'm gonna have a lot more free time. So it'll be easy for me to do these things. Well, you know what? No. It's like it, it, today is as good a day as any for just about anything. Um, and the problem with Tomorrow Logic is that there's you know, you're always a day away, you know, like I'm always starting with tomorrow. (laughs) Well, and here's the interesting thing about starting your diet tomorrow. What research shows is that people who have planned to start a diet, say on January 1st or after the holidays or on their birthday or whatever, they eat more leading up to it. They like, they like, you know what I mean? So they, 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 it's actually like a really bad thing to think about in terms of like healthful eating because it tends to make you eat less healthfully. And so one of the things is always to think about, well, what about today? Like, today is the only day that we can control. Right. Um, why not just, why not do it today?
2: Even if you're only going to be able to tackle some little bit of it. Yeah. Today. Because yeah. that's another, that's another strategy that you talk about that seems like it sort of applies to everybody. Breaking things down into something small, taking just that first step, yeah. um, That that yeah. seemed like a polder, rebel, whatever, you could probably do it.
4: Yeah. The strategy of first steps. One of the things I would say about the strategy of first steps. So the strategy of first steps is about starting and like the power of starting two things that are interesting about starting. One is that a lot of times it's easier to start something for the first time than it is to start over. If you've ever like, you know, like I had a friend who gave up drinking for a month and it was easy. And then he started drinking and he's like, Oh, give it up again for a month. And then it was much harder the second time. And I was like, yes, my friend, it's always harder to start over. And so if something's important to you and you're starting, really try not to stop. You might say, like, I'm going to take a break or I'm going to have a planned exception. But don't say, like, I'm stopping and I'm starting because that kind of creates this, this this roadblock in our minds. Right. So even um, the
2: semantics of staying, saying, oh, oh, I'm just going to take a break, matter.
4: 100%. Like, okay. that's one thing I've really come to believe is that vocabulary matters tremendously. Huh, the words that we choose. really are always thinking in terms of symbols and metaphors, and it really, really matters how you frame things to yourself. I, absolutely. And so saying something like, and in fact, I, and I think I tell the story in the book, my yoga instructor um, was telling me how one of the things that happens in New York, if you live in New York, is a lot of times people go away for the summer. And so for many people, their summer schedule is very different from their winter schedule, even as adults, not, not people who are, are children. Um, and he said like somebody, he had somebody who was, he was teaching yoga to, And the person said, okay, well, I'm going to stop and then I'll call you when I get back in September <laughs> and we'll start again. And my Aimless yoga instructor said, yoga
2: words. No. Yeah, say,
4: said, No, no, no. I know that you're going to be out of town. So I'm taking you off this week and 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 this week. But I'm going to see you on September 5th. <laughs> if you can't make it, let me know. But you have not stopped. You can't make those dates, but you're still taking yoga. I am still. <laughs> your but maybe pressure. she was
1: nicely trying to fire him. I've done that. It's like, oh, I'm leaving town and I'll give you a call. Don't call me, I'll call you.
4: I mean, that, that could be a polite way to do it, but, but that, you're right. But that could be, but then do that mindfully and be like, this is a way to nicely break up. <laughs> um, but he was trying to say, don't quit. And another thing about small steps is sometimes like if you read a lot of stuff about habit change and change in general, one thing that people often say is like, don't, don't tackle something big, start small. You want little accomplishments, tiny steps. And this is yeah. how people yeah, yeah. Can successfully change for some people. But I've spoken to many people who are like, they're not interested in incremental change. They want to go big or go home. They want Uh, to do radical change. uh, And the thing is, there's no right way to do it. If you feel like, listen, I've never exercised in my life, I am committed to running the New York City Marathon, I'm going to train for it, don't tell somebody, like, no, you're doing it wrong. That's the wrong way. Maybe that's the right way for them. And so, Sometimes or like I'm one of these crazy low-carb people, and I read a book called Why We Get Fat by Gary Tobbs and literally overnight I changed everything the way I ate except for le- leafy green vegetables and chicken. Everything <sighs> else changed. And many people said, "Well, that's just not possible. You, you know, you need to make incremental change, make substitutions, make gradual changes. It's too." And I'm like, "It's not what I experienced." Did you yeah. used
2: to be fat? Uh, no. no, but
4: I lost a fair amount of weight. Um, I didn't do it to lose weight. I did it because of insulin. My sister's a type one diabetic and this book absolutely makes the case that you want to keep your insulin as low as you can. But I mean, it's, that's a whole separate ar- argument, which I would love to talk low carb. <laughs> I'm sell it. But my point is a lot of people are like, what's well, not possible to do that? And I'm like, "Yeah, it is.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah.
4: I'm not saying that it's the right way for you because for many people, small incremental change is the, is the more appealing, more successful strategy, but if it feels wrong to you, don't let anybody tell you that it's the wrong way to do something. If yeah. it's right for you, it's right for you. Right. And, um, and I, you know, there's just many, many way to, ways to achieve aims. And if you're like, I keep trying to use a to-do list and it just never works, it's like, fine, there's no magic tool. Let it go. If to-do list doesn't work for you, if meditation doesn't work for you, then fine, just what what are you really trying to get at let's find another way for you to try sometimes you have to yeah. experiment you have to try a couple different ways here's another great example exercising like doing something first thing in the morning how many times have you said like if something's important to you do it first thing in the morning right. and there's a million reasons why that makes sense except that there's one big reason that it doesn't make sense which is that a lot of people are night people and they <laughs> are at the most productive and creative and energetic later in the day and the idea that they're going to do something difficult like work on their novel or their phd thesis or go exercise first thing in the morning is setting them up for failure right. because that's their low point of the day. Yeah. I'm a morning person, so that's great advice for me, yeah. but that so, doesn't mean it's more for other people.
2: You know, I think you're getting at something that is so um, interesting about your books. There are a lot of strategies. You do this in your blog all the time, too. A lot of great strategies, um, a lot of things to to try. But the overall message to me that I value so much is just try stuff yeah try. <laughs> just experiment your yeah. life is very plastic you yeah. can try it for a short period of time you can try it for a long period of time and oh. and i guess that's it actually led to a question for me some people are more willing to experiment on themselves in their lives than others how can mm. you but that's just an is, is that an overall healthy posture in the world to be like hey let's just try it let's experiment
4: I think it's i think it's i think it is good and i think because I think a lot of times there are things people can do um and and this is one of the things I always try to emphasize, and certainly this is my been my own approach in my own life which is there's stuff you can do as part of your ordinary day. Without a lot of extra time, energy, or money, you do not need to quit your job. You do not need to totally reschedule your, reschedule your life. You do not need to go on a 10-day silent t- silent meditation retreat. There's things for just about all of us, certainly for me and I think for most people. There's low-hanging fruit. There's stuff that you could just try without a lot of investment. You know, just – just check it out. Just see. And the thing is, if it is, if it does make you happier, healthier, more productive, more creative, then you're probably going to want to stick with it. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, then be like, okay, well, I, that's something I learned. I so, learned that that doesn't work for me. So
2: you have to be kind of fearless about failure. Yeah. Like little little tries that sometimes yeah. lead to little fails are
1: no big deal. And coming yeah. full circle, kind of understanding yourself one way by using these types, but understanding yourself so that you can actually become better, as you discussed in your previous book will actually make you happier, which was the book before that. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. No, I mean, and I, but I think it really comes down to this idea that you're pointing to, which is self-knowledge. Um, and I think when we want change, when we crave change or when we're resisting change, um, or, you know, or a change has happened to us that we're just grappling with, like we didn't want this change, but now this change has happened and we have to try to make the best of it. I think the more that we know ourselves, the more we can figure out how to harness the strengths of our, of our interests, our values, our temperament, our, you know, and, and, and apply them to the situation. So, you know, it's like, if you know something even very simple, like I need to have a lot of sleep, if you're going through a big change, you might say to yourself, you know what, it's just really important. This has to be priority number one, because I'm going through this time. And I know that I just, it's going to be much, much harder on me if I don't get my sleep. And so like a lot of things in my life have to be organized. I'm sorry I can't go out to that dinner party because I really need to be in bed by 9.45. And I can't, you know, I mean, sometimes you, if you know yourself, you can sort of, you can work with yourself and what's true about yourself um, to get through these challenging times in a way that feels exciting and, and, uh, and not overwhelming or overpowering or draining.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because you are sort of always categorized in self-help. Um, mm-hmm. But because your approach is so flexible because you give people so many different options you're not really typical self help and in uh. fact in your book like i noticed on your blog you you kind of called bullshit on on motivation you well, know, oh, yes. It's like, I, I don't really I buy don't this. I don't like that word. I, I think, I I, like think word. this motivation thing is kind of dumb. I don't think anybody really has motivation. Um, and motivation doesn't really make us do things. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's talk a, about I, that a little bit. And anything else you want to call BS on in the <laughs> self-help world? I'm all yours.
4: Well, the thing that, the fundamental thing, which we were just talking about that I don't like, is that the, the idea that there's one best way, which is like, I'm going to tell you this is the way to do it. That it's, you know... That it's doing it first thing in the morning, or it's doing it for 30 days, or it's starting small, or it's, you know, that there's one best way, there's one right way, there's one way to succeed. I'm like, there's many, many ways to succeed. And when you talk to people, you hear that, like, the very thing that works really well for somebody else would be a disaster for someone. So, the the idea – so, my biggest thing is the idea that there's one best way or one right way. Yeah. Yeah. the thing about motivation is to me, the word motivation, like it, 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 it combines a lot of very different ideas in a way that's super confusing. So to me, motivation combines both the idea that I really, really strongly want an outcome. I'm, I I really crave it. I'm really yearning for it. And it also sort of suggests that I'm willing to do what it might take to achieve that outcome. So I'm really motivated to lose weight. Okay. But but if i'm if you're telling me that i'm like okay but are you doing anything that would make me think that you're changing anything or doing anything toward that? So what does it mean to be motivated? That's confusing. So I think you can say, like, I really want this outcome, but I'm not doing anything toward it. Or it's like I'm working toward this outcome, which maybe you don't even particularly care, but for whatever reason you've decided you should do something. But the word motivation, it sort of lets people flip back and forth between desire and, like, are they actually doing something Uh, In pursuit of it, and the thing, the reason why I think this matters is, I think sometimes people feel like, and this is something that is particularly true of obligers, that if they really, that the way to motivate themselves is to inflame their desire. If only I wanted it badly enough. If I really sit here and think about. how much I want to lose weight and how much I, you know, and like get really often into what can be very destructive, um, kind of anger or frustration directed at the self. Why am I not, why can't I do this? Why I have I failed have again? Yeah. Right, right. If I, I not have
2: enough motivation. Right, right. If I was motivated.
4: But the thing is people like upholders and questioners, they will say, you just need to you once you understand what you want, you'll be able to do it. Once you find the motivation, you'll be able to do it. What we mean by that is once you have inner expectations, mm-hmm. you'll be able to follow through. Good advice for questioners and upholders, not good advice for someone like obligers. right. And so so part of it is, I just think motivation it it just it 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 combines a lot of things in a way that is really confusing. Um, but if you talk about like, well, what do you want to achieve? and then like what are you willing to do toward that goal? then it becomes a much simpler conversation. And it also becomes, it it sort of becomes less emotional because it's just like, yeah, I really want to do that. I really want to get into the habit of exercise, but you know, I'm really not willing to do, I'm really, I really am not doing anything that would lead me toward that goal. It's like, okay, well, that's fine. Like, let's just talk about that.
2: Yeah. I'm so, I'm so glad to be relieved of this feeling like, well, I just, I just have to gin up the motivation to yes, do it. See,
4: yeah, no, it's this feeling <laughs> right. of like wanting to almost inflame yourself.
2: Yeah, yeah. To, to meditate.
4: Yourself. Well, right. yourself
2: I'm into giving up, up on that here and now. Oh, there you All right. Yeah. <laughs> that alone is a huge gift, Gretchen. Thank you so much. And for sharing all of this with us. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, um, Gretchen. There is, there is, are so many ways to have fun and sort of swim around in your universe. Um, you can find uh, Gretchen on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, at Gretchen Rubin, um, on her podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin. And there's also a new online Four Tendencies course, yeah. so um, look for registration to open up for that course, because that sounds fascinating. Very right, cool. And cool. Well, Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you so much. Reach out to us at U-Turns
1: Podcast and tell us your stories. What are you facing right now?